Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. I'm Jonathan London, and each week I like to sit down with a storyteller from the worlds of movies, video games, comics, TV, and we talk about genre storytelling. This week I've got Lowell Dean. He directed the original movie Wolf Cop a few years ago, and now he's back with another Wolf Cop. That's the sequel. I watched it a few nights ago. I had fun watching it with my buddy Jesse, and... Um, we had a great conversation, which you'll hear here in a bit. Uh, sorry you haven't had a uh, Geekscape in about a week and a half, uh, faithful Geekscapists. Um, it took a little bit of a time. The last episode you got was about E3. Josh Jackson and I previewed E3. If you want to go more into detail on everything that happened at E3 and all the video games and everything, no better place than the Geekscape Games podcast. Uh, there are three episodes out since... Uh, breakdowns of all of the video game press conferences from all the co- uh, companies. There are two episodes covering all that stuff and thoughts and uh, just really passionate opinions from the boys and also the ladies like Courtney and Mika. And you definitely want to don't want to miss that stuff. And then there was a huge uh, wrap-up episode after Josh went to E3. And I think it's like a two-and-a-half-hour episode. So if you're really into video games and you want to see uh, what the boys and Mika and Courtney thought of E3, for sure, go download that one. If you're a video game fan, there's no excuse for skipping it, even though it is about, let me do the math, I would say six hours of content. <laughs> uh, this episode will not be so long. Uh, didn't have Lowell uh, for too long. He's on the middle of a press tour, and he Skyped in and talked to me uh, about the movie, which I thought was fun and loud. Uh, but don't worry, Geekscapists, I'm not going into a hiatus. I'm... I am traveling, though. I'm going to New York later today, and here's some good news. I've already scheduled some Geekscapes in New York, Uh, so be looking for that. I might have two episodes up either over this weekend or next week for sure. For sure, they'll be up next week, uh, including what we thought of Jurassic World 2. Yes, I'm going to go see Jurassic World 2 because you demand it. Yeah, I'm just going to blame it on you guys. (laughs) I do want to see the movie. I know. I'm a sucker for it. I know there's only one good Jurassic Park movie, but I can't say no. Uh, So look for that. Also, uh, just sitting down with some other people in New York to bring you some more storytelling. So Geekscapist, uh, this one's about another wolf cop. It's on shelves here in the States July 3rd uh, on Blu-ray DVD, and it'll probably be on demand as well. If it's not on demand... Let me bring up this uh, press release. Um, it should be on on demand here pretty soon. Kevin Smith has a cameo in it, which is fun. Um, I'm not getting any on demand uh, information, but forget it. Like, go ahead and search anyway. Go go on your Sony PlayStation uh, Marketplace and go on your iTunes and see if you can get another Wolf Cop. But it's for sure going to be DVD and Blu-ray on July 3rd. So, um, look for that. Okay? Uh, It's got a lot of extras. It's a lot of fun. I saw the movie here at night, as I told you. So, without further ado, here is Lowell Dean talking about putting together another Wolf Cop. Enjoy. Hey, Geekscapists. I'm sitting here with my friend Lowell Dean. We're talking over Skype. He's in British Columbia. I'm back here in Los Angeles. And, uh... You know what? He's celebrating the 4th of July this year by dropping another Wolf Cop. That's the second Wolf Cop movie on July 3rd. Uh, how very Canadian of you, man. <laughs> Just wait till you see it. It's a very Canadian film. Oh, I've seen the movie. 
Uh, okay. <laughs> the solicitation, the, the, Geekscape, is, this is how I work sometimes. Uh, people ask me how I get my guests, and sometimes I reach out for the guests. Uh, sometimes the guests come to me, and uh, Lowell, you're a guest who came to me, and a couple years ago, my brother Paul, who I think you guys talked on Twitter, my brother Paul London, he's a wrestler. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Paul, who I invited to be here to talk to you, but he uh, he didn't show up. Sometimes sometimes Paul does that. It's family, you know what I mean? Like, if I think if yeah. somebody non-family had asked him, he'd be like, yeah, I'll be there. But family asked him, and he still doesn't think I'm cool, so uh, he doesn't get to talk to you today. Um, so uh, a couple years ago, Paul found this movie, Wolf Cop, and brought it over, and we watched it, and we were, I mean, we were just laughing. I mean, I think the word is howling, but you don't want to make too many of those <laughs> jokes, you know what I mean? So, no, we make them, um, don't worry. It's just fucking outrageous. Uh and then, uh, I think a few weeks later, a month later, we launched a new podcast on the Geekscape Network called a Horror Movie Night, and the first movie they chose to talk about on the podcast was Wolf Cop. Amazing. So, um, I got before we get into another Wolf Cop, which I watched the other night, that's the sequel um, that comes out July 3rd on Blu-ray here in the States, I guess. Um, like, talk to me about like where the whole idea came from, because it's a pretty damn outrageous idea. Yeah, I mean, the first one, um, I was just frustrated, to be honest. I just wanted to make a movie. You know, I uh, I had, like, some other things that I was developing that didn't seem to be happening. And I was like, why is it so damn hard to get an independent film made? Mm-hmm. And uh, I just uh, partnered with some of my friends who were also frustrated. And, you know, none of us were that experienced, but we were all pretty eager. And uh, one of my buddies who wanted to produce it was going to put in money. And he said, what's the craziest idea you have? And... Um, I had just come up with uh, the idea for a wolf cop and uh, that's just I love werewolves I felt like werewolves are being abused lately. There wasn't enough cool werewolf movies. Uh, it was all CGI stuff Right and I had a real practical man in a suit and I also wanted to make a cop movie I, I, I'm a big fan of like police films, so <laughs> I just, Honestly, it sounds stupid and I've said this before, but it I, doesn't it doesn't yeah. I mean I made a short called gay by dawn It doesn't it sounds great <laughs> And, I mean, talk about the frustration, though, because you, I'm, uh, like, maybe you went to film school, maybe you didn't. Like, what's your story? Because you're growing up in Canada, and for, as an American, like, our frustration is, like, you guys get a Canadian tax credit. Like, what the hell, man? Did did any of that Canadian it's tax, still, like, art no, fund, no, did I'm any still, of it go to the movie? Because I was like... <laughs> I mean, it's still very hard to make a film, even in Canada. Right. And uh, I've made four feature films now, and I can say... I have no idea how to make a film. Um, it seems to always take one or two years. It's always a different road. Uh, and uh, like the like Wolf Cop was an even more crazy road because I basically, uh, once we had the idea, we were in agreement we're making it. You know, we made the blood pact and we said we're making this movie no matter what. I had the script. I had a concept trailer that we made. And uh, we just were going to assemble a bunch of our buddies and go make it because, no, traditional funding... Uh, I guess models weren't really interested in making a movie called Wolf Cop, <laughs> believe it or not. I think that's the challenge you find is like, wait, where am I putting my, you know what I mean? Like, they, I think filmmakers, we, we look at these funds and we're like, oh, all these other countries besides America has all these art grants for film. They want those grants to go towards movies that are going to like show the cultural aspects of the nation or, you know, the music or the locations and stuff like that. It's like, no, we don't want to make that movie. That movie gets made every year. We want to make fucking Wolf Cop, which doesn't get made every year. Yeah. 
And I think it's changing, honestly. I do think like maybe there is more of a desire to uh, diversify, but for sure at the time that we made Wolf Cop, um, I, I would say I was laughed out of a couple conversations being like, but that's actually the title. And I'm right. like, yeah. And, uh, but, but then on the other side of the coin, we'd go to fan expos. Uh, we entered something called Cineku where we pitched it. And it was the exact opposite reaction. Like the actual people who would end up going to the movie or buying a ticket for it or buying the Blu-ray were like, yes, finally a movie called Wolf Cop, <laughs> you know? So it was a weird mix of like, I think there's a bit of a discrepancy between what people maybe think they should be making sometimes and what there's actually an audience for. I mean, you know, I learned that immediately at a Comic-Con. I was like, right. okay, how crazy. And, and, that, and whose idea was that to say, okay, like what's the craziest idea that you have? And that's what I'm going to put my money towards. Like uh, you were talking about that fi first financier who was like, it was a really smart strategy of saying, hey, we're going to make something. Let's, we got to make something super loud. Otherwise, we're just going to get swallowed by like the swarm of other independent movies that come out each year and fight for attention. A hundred percent. That is the problem. Uh, even more now than ever. It's not hard to make a movie. It's hard to stand out, I would say, is the bigger challenge because I can't even keep up. Every time I go on Netflix, I feel like every day there's like 10 new movies added with like legit people or ideas that I've never even heard of. So you have to stand out in the noise. And um, yeah, my producer, Hugh Patterson, who's like a, a guy that you know I came up with and you, you know we'd done short films and gone to film school, he knew that I was itching to make a film. And he said, just what's the one you care the most about? And it was Wolf Cop. And beyond your like fandom for, and we're all about fandom, obviously. We're, we're Geekscape, uh, and I want to, I do want to ask you like what your favorite werewolf, cinematic werewolves are. I've got my favorites, of course, but um, like, what was the thing? Like beyond the wolf, beyond the the werewolf, beyond the cop thing, like what made you love it so much? Beyond just the aspect of making a like a surf on the surface a very loud, fun movie. Like what was the thing that was burning inside of you that were like, hey? I want to make this one. Is there a part of the, like, I'm getting super artsy, but like the idea of like the dichotomy of the character or is there, you know what I mean? Does that make oh, sense? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Of, of course. I mean, it was, um, I mean, it was the layering of everything, to be honest, the way I approached Wolf Cop and it's kind of how I approach everything I do now was after realizing how hard it is, I'm like, everything I do is going to be my everything. Mm -hmm. So, I didn't approach Wolf Cop as like, oh, this it's this little thing. I was like, I was vomiting in every influence and love and desire I had into that one film, you know? It's like, I'm going to make sure, it's almost like a kitchen sink uh, bucket list type thing, you know? Like, I'm a huge comic nerd, so I love uh, superheroes. So I'm like, I'm going to make what, this werewolf my own personal superhero, you know? He's going to have his secret identity and... I'm also going to throw in the craziest gore I've ever seen because I'm I'm huge into practical effects and with the lighting we're going to have a you know a very comic book style lighting approach and um, I'm going to throw in a lot of tropes that I love you know like the uh, the loser hero the uh, sidekicks who are actually smarter than the hero the femme fatale the conspiracies um, I just like we just front loaded the film with everything that I was obsessed with and then as other people came on board things they were obsessed with. Just because I think, like, if you make something, you have to be all in and love it. And I think it's kind of contagious when you do. And if you don't, it's just a job. People smell it a mile away. And not only is, is that movie absolutely a kitchen sink movie, because I'm watching the end of Wolf Cop, uh, and we're just watching where it's going, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but we're watching where it's going, and we're like, holy sh are you fucking kidding me with this? <laughs> like, like, 
they, when the cons- when the different conspiracies starts when the conspiracy and, and everything that's going on starts to like come to fruition and you start oh. it, it, to reveal all those aspects we're just looking at each other like what the fuck <laughs> this movie doesn't know it, how to quit and as much as you think the kitchen sink is in that first one the second movie takes the what the fuck to another level <laughs> like like we talk about the wolfcock in the first wolf cop all the time because you you pulled that one that was a pretty well designed little scene where it was like is he going yep he did and it uh-huh. wasn't it wasn't like you were um I, th- I think that some filmmakers would be like we're gonna build to that you know what i mean we're gonna we're gonna tease it he's da, da, da. like no we're just gonna throw it in your face because this is what the kind of movie is you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, and this in this movie kind of takes that sexual aspect to another level in some of those scenes. I have a couple of questions from the horror movie night folks uh, on Geekscape. Scott Roger, who's one of the hosts, was like, and I'm only asking this question because we're on the subject. I was like, ask him if he ever put a fuzzy sock in his mouth, and if so, whether or not that was inspiration for the wolf cop sex scene. <laughs> I mean, Scott, we're starting to learn a lot more about you. Yeah. He may, no, have, he may have grown up in a boy's home. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, no fuzzy sock. Um, honestly, uh, I obviously I like pushing buttons a bit. I, you know, it's, uh, it's part of the fun of making a movie like this is, for me, getting to be mischievous. And, and again, you know, obviously you call the movie Wolf Cop. We're trying to scandalize people and just throw shit in their face. And I wanted um, to do the same with the transformation and the sex scene, I mm-hmm. thought. You know, again, you know, I don't know how many swings at bat I'm going to get to make movies, so I'm going to make a memorable sex scene. I'm going to make a memorable transformation, and I'm not going to do exactly what people think or expect. Um, maybe sometimes to a fault, but with like, that transformation scene, I was adamant before. Like as important as anything to me in the film, any decision, I was like, "We're showing a dick." Just know that. Everybody, yeah. I say it to every person in every meeting, and uh, you know, people were kind of like, "We get it, quit saying it." But there was still a bit of pushback of like, "Well, just know you can shoot whatever you want, but we can't guarantee it'll be in the movie." And uh, so we were very protective of that. And the sex scene too, everyone, you know, there was a lot of confusion. Like, uh, should he'll he'll be a human when they have the sex scene, right? And I'm like, "No, he's a werewolf." And like, we've well, seen that shit. Yeah, and, I'm like, and then they're like, well, will she be a monster at the time? I'm like, no. It's like, isn't that bestiality? I'm like, I don't know. I think it's going to be fun to do, you know? And they're like, well, why is there so many candles? I'm, why is it so romantic if it's a monster? And I'm like, because it's just that's what will make me laugh, you know? So yeah, uh, it was a lot of yeah weird choices that um, it was just fun to see how people would react. And you like chase the – I mean, in a movie like this, you kind of have to like chase the weird and be like, okay, what's the weirder of the two options – yeah, that's the one that we haven't seen before, and um, and th- that's the risk. You know what I mean? And people are going to talk about that. The other question that we got from the horror movie night kids were: uh, Stephen Bay says if Wolf Cop had sex with a regular wolf, would it come out as a wolf security guard or a mall cop? <laughs> I, th- I think you would think that like having sex with a regular wolf would downgrade it, but having sex with a regular human didn't so i i mean you first you, you gotta impregnate the thing first like you don't just jump to, like that's not how just because you're having <laughs> sex doesn't mean the baby gets made all right steven <laughs> yeah i mean i uh i can't even really comment on that i guess it would depend, <laughs> uh, where the narrative took it but uh, uh the only thing i know is i'm sure lou would uh, have sex with all manner of thing <laughs> and you guys were friends beforehand and you just looked around like 
did you know him as like a local actor? I mean, the the people that you're putting in the movie, like Jonathan Cherry is like my brother is like his biggest fan. It yeah. turns out, and uh, in for most of the cast, were you finding local actors, people you'd worked with in shorts before, people from previous projects, and you were like, hey, do you want to go? Like, you trust me? You want to go on this crazy ass ride? Because I'm guessing when you make a movie like Wolf Cop or another Wolf Cop, an element of trust has to be established. Oh, for sure. Um, because it's so weird tonally, and that was one of the fun things in actually doing auditions is uh, seeing the tapes of people, how they'd interpret the material, <laughs> knowing nothing about it. Because some people played it dead serious, like right, it was Shakespeare, right. and other people were way too broad and comedic with it. And sure. I always knew the tone was somewhere in the middle, and you know, even as we were shooting it, we were finding it. But in terms of casting, um, it was a weird mix. I mean, I will be honest, I often cast local um, and that's just because uh, I, I find like, you know, well, first off, our budget wasn't going to permit us to fly in a bunch of people. But also more than that, local in the sense of maybe you didn't live in Saskatchewan anymore, but maybe you had been uh, from Saskatchewan. And that was a like to this day, even if I find out someone, you know, I see their tape and they're good and it's between them and someone else and they're from Saskatchewan and I can't decide like that might nudge me over. And uh I think of like, for example, Sarah Lynn, who plays, uh, you know, the Jessica, the bar owner in the first film. Mm -hmm. She's from Saskatchewan. She, I, she was, I think, living in L.A. I, I didn't know her from anyone. I didn't know where she went to school. You know, we had never met. But, um, you know, I, she was like, I think, my top choice uh, looking at the tape. And then after someone was like, oh, you know, she's from Saskatchewan, right? And I was like, done. You know, it was, uh, it was like I that would figure why she might audition for something this weird. But uh no, like Leo had the role. He was it was written for him. He was actually a crew member who I had worked with a few times before, and he had acted for me in a music video. And he had played a werewolf and had to wear a lot of prosthetics. And it's not an e easy thing. And when you can actually act and wear prosthetics and not turn into an asshole, it's amazing. Because believe me, I've done it too. I've been in a guinea pig for Emerson Ziffel, the effects artist. It's the worst. I yeah. like I starting to rip my face off. I'm grumpy. So. Um, and I mean, other people, Amy Maticio, she is another person who's moved to Toronto, but she's from Saskatchewan. And uh, she straight up just said, like, I want to be in the movie. What's the role for me? And I was like, okay, well, like, you know, she's very, definitely a go-getter. And awesome. uh, yeah, I mean, and the other roles mostly filled in and pretty much everybody who could be from Saskatchewan was, but, you know, you always bring in a few... Uh, interlopers or outsiders uh, as as the script or story demands well this one uh what in, i was going to ask you about shooting in saskatchewan and why you didn't like make the move to go to like a los angeles or a new york or a place even a toronto where it's like there's like more of an understood film community going on there but yeah. uh or even montreal like montreal has like the best fantasy festival in the you know north america and mm -hmm. and uh and you're making this in Saskatchewan, but it goes back to like what Kevin Smith says famously is like make a movie in your backyard. You know what I mean? Like make a movie from your neck of the woods because people, it's not going to look like everywhere else that people choose to shoot. And uh, was he a hero of yours? Because he has an uncredited role here in another Wolf Cop. You know, if you if you guys watch the trailer Geekscape, as you'll see that like oh Kevin Smith's in this movie. Yeah. Um, what was the process of having Kevin join the the was he a fan of the first one and was like I got to be in on this Wolf Cop? I honestly don't know if he even knew what Wolf Cop. <laughs> uh, he, I'm sure I, he does now, but uh, he basically 
he was trying to make a movie of his called Moose Jaws, and he was scouting Saskatchewan, where the city of Moose Jaw actually is. Our producer found out that uh, he was going to be in Saskatchewan. We reached out, and I'm sure we you know, groveled quite a bit, and uh, he was gracious enough to come out and be in the film, and, and he was great. Like he, Right when I met him, I, I was obviously nervous. Of course, he's like a role model of mine. He's like one of the godfathers of modern independent film. Mm-hmm. He was and, one of uh, our early podcast guests, and when he was on the show, I, barely even, I could barely talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I can't say enough about him. Like He was... Uh, for people who haven't seen the film, you'll see we we had him for literally I think like eight hours, and we had to shoot two full scenes. He had to do a bunch of exposition. Uh, he's like, "How married are you to the words?" I was like, "Just change whatever you want. You're Kevin Smith." And he, in every instance, made it funnier. And uh, but that said, he was very game for anything. He just you know asked what his character was about, and we talked. I think shot the shit for like half an hour. Um, I just like glommed onto him on li- during lighting setups and, you know, uh, geeked out and asked his opinion on current films and theaters and things like that. And, uh, I mean, he was just a gentleman and he, he, I think he had a really good time. I think he appreciated how grassroots and how practical we were, you know, like when we were doing practical effects with him, he was like, wow, this is literally how you're doing it. He's like, yep. He's like, this is like the old real deal way. And, uh, he, he said to me at the end, he's like, um, no, you should really appreciate this because, like, you, you know, he said it's clear everybody who's on this film is having fun and wants to be here, and, and that's not always the case, so make sure you're enjoying this. And I really took that to heart. Oh, that's a great piece of advice. And uh, what I enjoy about the movie is that you aren't, like, even though the, the, the production value can be low in places, especially when you're doing things like practicals and you're trying to pull off things, like, there's puppetry in the film, Geekscapist, but there's also, like, you're, you, it's not an imagination curbing does that make sense like as a writer myself when we're we're writing and we're like hey can we pull that off sometimes it can influence the writer and in this case tell me if i'm right or not but it doesn't seem to be influencing the writer and when you think as a director or as a producer and you're saying oh we may not be able to pull that off it curbs the writing and here it felt like you're gonna write out cyborgs and aliens and uh, I mean, I want to ask you about that giant uh, sequence at the end because you had to f- put a stadium together. Um, yeah. and, you know, you had to populate the stadium and then you had to shoot the damn thing. Um, but it's for the big finale, Geekscapist. you got to watch the movie to see it. Um, and I'm like, okay, what, like, what was the, the process of balancing the writing and then seeing if you can pull it off later? Because I'm a fan of practical effects as well, and I think it's hilarious to watch some of this stuff on, on camera. And you pulled a lot of that stuff off. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, you, you're, I'd say you're right. I, I don't let it limit me while I'm writing. I feel like there's enough things that are going to limit you, especially in you know films like this that take on way more than they should. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always, as a director, I'm always like, you idiot, why did you right. add these sequences? Um, but I think especially in a movie, I wouldn't do it on every film, but in a film like Wolf Cop, I think it's your kind of inherent responsibility to go as hard as possible. And I'm not saying don't care about quality, but I'm saying go for the big swings at the weird. Even if you don't pull it off, if you do it with practical effects, I think it's going to be so hopefully playful and endearing that people <laughs> will forgive it. Yeah. You know? Sorry, I'm laughing. At, you know, I'm laughing at like those, some of the big ones that you guys have in, in this sequel. But it's true. Yeah, I mean, we, absolutely. Yeah, like we made a lot of... There's a lot of things that I cringed looking at, but... It's like, well, do you want not want to put it in the movie? And I'm like, well, if it's the difference between like having like a super 
fucked up or a weird version of an explosion or uh, uh, some kind of like mass ritual uh, or not having it and just having two people talk about it, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it, you know? So uh, again, budget dictates so much. We shot this movie in 17 days, both films, which when you actually think about it, like if you look at a call sheet, like I would, I would laugh out of pain in the morning when I would see what I was doing in a day. And like every voice inside of me was like, this is impossible. This is a joke. Like almost like, are you why? It's like someone put a gun to my head. I was find it every day because like, why the hell not? I was meeting with a DP last night on a uh, on something we're going to shoot here in LA, and he had just gotten off of one of the Lifetime movies, and I think they give their guys somewhere like 18, 16, 18 days to shoot those yep. Lifetime films. And I was like, okay, but when you think about it, like, yeah, you're you're chucking a football out the field trying to get eight, ten pages a day, but you're not shooting monsters. You're not shooting effects. You're not shooting, like, aliens popping out of people's chests. You're not shooting cyborgs. You're not shooting explosions. You're not shooting any and of that stuff. You, you have in almost every scene, dude. I know we do, and that was the biggest fight was, like, like getting people to realize, especially after the first film, that you can't schedule or treat this movie like a regular movie because right. everybody's so used to the page count, you know, like breaking it down. It's like, oh, you can shoot this many pages a day. And I'm like, but we can't look at this movie like that because yeah. one line, like literally one line of one page of five pages says he rips his face off. And they're scheduling that like everything else. Like it's just a, a word coming out of someone's mouth. And I'm like, that one line, if we are the on the ball and doing everything right, is half an hour. That's if we are like like a well-oiled machine. What if one thing goes wrong with a blood pump or a mask or the makeup takes slightly longer? So um, it was insane. Like there's not a fight scene in this movie that had more than half a day to shoot, and in some cases, 15 minutes to shoot a whole fight scene. What? Yeah. What like you, like what? There, there is literally, and thank God again for like we had like good uh, stunt coordinator, uh, a guy named Sean Skeen, <laughs> Manitoba, and. Uh, he would work with the actors, and we've we've now you know that we've done two. We're in a very good rhythm where sure. we basically say, "Here's my storyboards," and I storyboard a fight, and then I give it to the stunt coordinator. He throws it out, takes the ideas that he thinks are the best, and then he works with the actors almost like a dance routine where they figure out the fight and they know the space loosely where it's going to end up, the location, but they figure out the fight. And then what we do is we then take it to next level and say, "Okay, hey, you've got your routine, you know it." Okay, I'll worry about the angles. Now you worry about giving me a B version and a C version based on time. And they'd when they'd show up to set, you know, like again, like dancers in their coach. Yeah, they'd uh, run over, and I'd be like A version, and we'd all high five, and then we'd take three hours to shoot it. Or if we're behind and something went wrong, I'd be like, sorry guys, C version. And then they do the condensed version that we can literally shoot in fifteen minutes and still make it look good. But even those fifteen minute. Like I'm trying to think of the fight scenes that I saw the other night in the sequel, and you're not doing like a one take master, like just like planting it in a, in a master shot and letting it run. Like you're still getting like in like a, a crap ton of coverage on the, even like a 15 minute produced fight scene. Like like, like the movie, like like those fight scenes clip. I think you have to. I think yeah, fight scenes live in the cuts often. Right. And I think you know unless you've got like these trained uh, martial artists who can work at every angle and know how to play the camera, uh, you know, to sell the punches and the kicks and the falls, you need to, um, I mean, it needs to know exactly what angle you're going to be at for what beat. So it's yeah. almost 
okay, you can be in, you know, at this angle for punches one and four, and then you film it all, and you don't care that punches two and three don't land in that angle because you're going to cut to the other one. Right, and and I, I think that, like, the relationship with camera and angle is crucial to those fight scenes, and even, like, one-take masters have to be so perfectly done to, yeah. or else it just looks like people swinging at each other. It looks like garbage. Um, so I want to ask you like your favorite where, like, like what's the best werewolf on camera for you? Like, what's your favorite? I mean, I'm old school. So yeah. um, for me, I love, I love the universal wolf man, you know, uh-huh. like not even the, uh, Benicio one, the, the earlier ones. Um, I love, Teen Wolf, believe it or not, as a kid, that was the one, that was my werewolf. And um, in terms of, like, genuine horror or, or uh, best film, I always go to American Werewolf in London. Because, I mean, they, you don't really see the monster that much, but um, I just love that world and that tone. Uh, so that's probably my favorite werewolf movie overall. Yeah, the answer we were looking for was Rick Baker's uh, Monster Squad. So I'm sorry, you had... <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> That's a fun movie. Yeah, it's a fun movie, and I actually, I, I'm, no, all respect. Your answers are spot on. Uh, I actually do love that that Rick Baker one that he put he, he did for that movie. I think that was a pretty awesome uh, one. That was it was that Rick um, that we had Stan Winston like early on, like like I think within the year that he died, I had him on to talk about not great werewolf type movie called Sleepwalkers. They were werecats. And, yeah. I, and like just thinking of like his like Stan Winston stuff, and it's just like, oh man, those guys are masters, <laughs> and, yeah. and they made so many great werewolves. Like that's the dream, you know, just making monsters. Yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, I want to ask you about like your non-wolf cop stuff. You know what I mean, and where you're headed with that. I'd love to have you back on the show when you're not like on the press circuit. If you're ever in LA, like come on Geekscape, and of course, sure. dude, like we're fans, so um, this goes out to the Geekscapers too. Like we're at booth thirty nine nineteen at San Diego Comic Con. If you're making it down to San Diego, dude, come by and hang out, um, meet the Wolf Cop fans. Um, but we've got a ton of them here at Geekscape and at the Horror Movie Night uh, podcast. So, dude, uh, thanks for making you know just making movies, and doing this stuff. Thank you. Thanks for uh, the fun conversation and helping getting the word out about the sequel. And will there be a Wolf Cop 3? I, I you know, I wasn't so sure. Uh, <laughs> a year ago, maybe. Uh, I was like, just done two back to back, and I was like, I need to get away from this. But um, enough time has passed that if, if, uh, if people dig the second one and, and you know, there's enough of a uh, groundswell uh, following of it, uh, I'd love to. I mean, I have ideas for a three and a four, so um, if there is a demand, we will make them for sure. <laughs> awesome, dude. A little awesome talking to you, man. Thanks for coming on Geekscape. Thanks. Nice talking to you too, John. All right. Bye, buddy. Bye.